Well, good morning. I kind of feel like we should just take a field trip instead. It would be good use of our time, perhaps. But, uh, yeah, that is a beautiful tree. Uh, I have seen it, even when it's not in bloom. Once you find it once, it's easy to find again, because it's kind of an unusual shape, and it sticks out just a little bit. But that's, uh, that's fun to see that picture. I uh, hope you're having a good spring break. Anybody uh, enjoy the weather this weekend? I did, yeah. We were outside all weekend and really enjoying it. Anybody traveling for spring break? A couple of people. Anybody going out of the state? Out of the country? No? You are. Next month, yeah. Uh, well, I'm just curious. I'm not going anywhere. I'm trying to live vicariously through you, you know, and do something fun on somebody else's nickel. But, uh, you know, living vicariously, that's fun. It's just as fun sometimes. And I've done that a lot in my whole life, uh, which is... Maybe uh, good and bad, but some of you know, some of you may know, I used to be an actor. Uh, don't hate me for that, but it's true. I used to be an actor, and uh, that's kind of a unique experience. You know, you kind of live vicariously through fictional people. You know, you get to be somebody that you're really not. You get to experience things that you wouldn't otherwise experience. It's a lot of fun, and uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, the word, the biblical word for actor is kind of telling. It's the, the word hypocrite. Uh, so you, you're, you're trying to be somebody that you're not, right? And uh, sometimes that's fun, sometimes it's, it's less fun. And, you know, when I was an actor, my, my real specialty uh, was uh, comedy. I was, uh, you know, I was not very tall then, and, uh, and uh, so I didn't get all the leading man parts, you know. Those went to people who were better looking than me, but, uh, uh, but I did get a lot of the kind of like comedic sidekick or wacky neighbor and that kind of, the guy who comes in, says something funny, and then leave, that kind of thing. And uh, I got to be pretty good at it. You know, people ask me sometimes, were you a good actor? I'm like, well, you don't want to say yeah, but yeah, I'll say it. I don't mind. I'll say it. I was, de- I was pretty good. I knew what I was good at, and I did it, you know. And uh, I remember uh, one play in particular that kind of haunts me to this day, one performance that really haunts me. If I could go back in time, I would do this one differently, you know, because it was a dramatic role, out of my comfort zone, not what I was used to doing, this dramatic role. And I was kind of surprised I got the part, you know, maybe nobody else auditioned, I don't know, but, but I got the part. And, and the, well, the first thing you do when you start a new play, you know, you, do, uh, you read through the script all together. Everybody's got this script, everybody's got their part, and you just read through it. And everybody knows that first read-through is bad because it's the first time to see it. You know, you don't know what you're doing. And um, so you, but you got to do it, and then you got somewhere to go from there. So we're reading through this first read-through, and uh, we got kind of to the climax of the, the play. And I was nervous because the climax was this, this big, long monologue by my character. It was all me. My character had this big, long speech, you know, and that was kind of the climactic moment of the show. And uh, so first read-through, I mean, what do you got to lose? You know, I just went for it. And uh, something kind of amazing happened, you know, it was just it was dramatic play and uh, just really felt it, like just really, you know, experienced it in a real genuine way. And I, I actually had, this is a true story, I had a little single tear coming down my cheek. I, it's, not, it's not fake, that was a real tear, you know, and other people were kind of crying, everybody was just kind of fixated. It's this beautiful moment, you know, that just kind of a once in a lifetime kind of a moment, right? First read through. So I was excited. I thought, okay, this dramatic, so it's, not that, it's not that hard. I got this, you know. So the next rehearsal, we're going to do the same part again, and I was ready. Man, I thought, if that was the first read-through, 
I mean, what's going to happen now when we finally, you know, got a little practice behind us? But, but I, I went to that same part, and it just it wasn't happening. It just was, it felt forced, it felt fake, it felt awkward. It just wasn't, it didn't happen for us, you know. And uh, in every single rehearsal after that, it just, it just didn't work. It just was forced and, and fake, and it was just miserable. Even into the performances, it just never had that same... Uh, genuine kind of spark that that first performance had. So it haunts me to this day. I wish if I could go back, you know, I'd, I'd recapture that, or at least I'd videotape that, you know, and be able to watch it again and again. But, um, but that happens, you know. Sometimes you nail it, and sometimes you don't. But, uh, hey, if you were here last week, you'll remember we talked about John 3.16. We talked about how God loves the whole world, uh, uh, everybody in the world he loves. And regardless of your past or your present uh, uh, anything else, God loves you because God loves the whole world. What an amazing truth that is, really. Uh, and, and for people who are Jesus followers, you know, we're the, we're the very grateful recipients of that love, of God's love for the world. And uh, God loved the world so much, he sent his son to die so that we could have eternal life. We could live with God forever. And if you're a, a person who's put your faith in Jesus, then that's something you can look forward to and hold on to. And, and, and you're the recipient of that amazing love. You know, just think about that for a moment. You know, that you and I, we're on the receiving end of the greatest love that the world has ever known and the world will ever know. God invented love, I mean, God is love, and he chose to give that love in a very active way to you and I. That's an amazing, amazing truth. And if we're honest with ourselves and we come to terms with that, then, then we want to respond. We want to do something to show how grateful we are. And, and uh, you know, uh, the first thing we want to do, the first response is the most natural response, is just to, to accept it, just to believe, you know, put our faith in Jesus and asking God, yes, to apply that love and all that it means to our lives. And that's the first step. But if, if we've already done that, if we've turned to Jesus, if we've put our faith in him, then how, how else do we respond? What do we do? Uh, how do we come to terms with this great love that God has for us? And and uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about this sincere, this genuine love that God has for us, how to respond to it, how to put it into practice in our lives, and, and taking this love that God has for us and really showing it to the rest of the world. Because if God loves everybody, that means that he doesn't, the love doesn't just stop with us. We want to show it to other people, and even people who are hard to love. Uh, we're going to talk about how to take this love for us and, and show it to the world and especially to those who are hard to love. And, you know, conveniently, we've got a really good example that we can look to, a person who spent their whole life living out God's love. I'm, I'm talking about Jesus, of course. And, you know, he's a, Jesus is a stand-up guy. He's got a lot of street cred, Jesus, you know. Uh, uh, talk about a good person. You know, a lot of people think they're good. Jesus really was good. He figured it all out, you know. And he was a person who, who uh, took the love that God has for the world and really showed it to the world in very tangible ways. And, you know, by whatever standards you want to measure, he did it right. You know, and, and yet even still, he was treated uh, like the worst kind of criminal, right? Wrongfully accused, uh, tortured, executed, uh, the whole works because uh, he was trying to live out God's love. And yet still, he responded the whole time with 
love and with grace and forgiveness. So he's a real example for us to follow. The example of Jesus in not only what he teaches, but how he lived his life is an example. And if you look through the, the New Testament, you can see, you know, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, full of, of moments where Jesus is, is doing things and teaching things that provide a great example for us. You know, one of the most famous um, sections is the what we call the Sermon on the Mount, a big collection of teaching. Jesus was delivering a sermon while standing on the side of a mountain, creative name. And, and uh, you know, even if you've never read the sermon, if you've never cracked open a Bible, you've heard these teachings before, uh, things like uh, Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Or he says, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay, And this is great teaching. I mean, it's easy to say that because he's Jesus, but, but it's true. These are wise words and things to aspire to, a good way to try to live your life. But they're not easy things to do. They're not natural things to do. And, and uh, you know, sometimes if we hear these kinds of teachings, it's easy to get discouraged. And you think, well, blessed are the pure in heart. I guess that rules me out. You know, we just want to throw in the towel and, and we just kind of stay where we are rather than really trying to achieve this this example that Jesus has, has given us and, and set for us. But, but we want to explore this morning, how do we move beyond that? How do, we, how do we get from where we are to really living out the kind of love, the kind of example that Jesus sets for us? Well, conveniently, the Bible has some help for us in that. It turns out there's a person in the New Testament who spent his whole adult life helping people take the, the teachings and the example of Jesus and put him into real life. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. He started out life as Saul, uh, doing what any good Jew would do, uh, passionately serving God and standing up for what he believed in. And then he had a dramatic encounter with Jesus. You can read about that in, in Acts chapter 9. And he had this dramatic encounter with Jesus, and his whole life changed. He, uh, he spent the whole rest of his life just trying to to help people understand uh, the example of Jesus, help people understand the teaching of Jesus, helping people put that into real life. He traveled all over the known world at the time, trying to encourage people. He started churches so people could continue to grow, and he wrote all kinds of letters to those churches, encouraging them, equipping them, and all this kind of thing. And we're not going to read all those letters. We're just going to read one little passage. But in this in this passage... Uh, Paul spent some time really unpacking some of the teaching of Jesus, some specific teaching of Jesus, and, and helping us understand how to live that out in our real life. How do we take this love that God has for us, the love that we've come to terms with, and how do we live it out in a way that is uh, reflecting what God has done for us, even with people who are hard to love? That's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you brought your Bibles, I want you to open it to Romans chapter 12, Romans 12. Uh, normally, we show our, our verses on the screen here. We had a little technical challenge, so you'll have to open your phone or what have you in uh, Romans 12. And in this, this chapter, we're going to see kind of two, two big ways to live out God's love in the real world. How do we love people the way that God loves people, the way that God loves everyone? How can we love even people who are hard to love? And the answers we're going to find, they're, they're good answers for all our relationships, for our marriages, for our uh, relationship with our kids, relationships at work, all areas of our lives. This passage in, in Paul's letter to the Romans gives us a plan, a pathway to really live out that same kind of love that God has for us. Not hypocritical love, but sincere love for the whole world. So let's read the passage together first. We're going to look at uh, Romans chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 14, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So, so this first little section here just tells us some active ways to show love. If we're going to live out the kind of love that God has for us, we can't just wait around for something to happen. We've got to be active. Just as God was active in showing us love, we want to be active in showing love to the world. And, and uh, if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, that's the kind of example we need to be active, actively showing love. And these verses tell us some ways to do that. And, and you know, it's, it's maybe not uh, obvious at first glance, but, but what Paul is doing here, He's taking some of Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, and he's applying it to the real world. So we don't have to throw up our hands and say, well, I'll never match up to that standard that Jesus set, that example that Jesus set, because Paul helps us put it into real-world practice. He takes this teaching of Jesus, applies it to real life. And, and what a gift. What a gift for us, this, this uh, ability to put Jesus' example, put Jesus' teaching into practice in our real relationships and real life situations. So let's take a deeper look at what Paul is telling us here. Verse 14, he says, be a blessing to others. That's basically what he's saying. And notice, it's not just being a blessing to people who are kind or people who have done something nice for us. We turn around and bless them. Uh, no, he says, if you want to live out the example of Jesus, you've got to be a blessing to everyone. Just as God loves everyone in the world, we've got to seek to reflect that same kind of love in the world. Motivated by the way that God loves us, we're showing love in an active way in the world. And, and notice what kind of people we're blessing, even people who persecute us. Right Now, persecution in the strictest sense is, is kind of ongoing harassment or, or violent punishment that's directed at you because of what you believe in. And, and uh, you know, most of us, thankfully, have not... Uh, experience that kind of persecution the way that so many people in the world do. But, but the same kind of principle applies to people who don't like us, people who hate us, people who have evil intentions for us, people who don't agree with our beliefs. The same principle is true. Even in those situations, we should be a blessing or try to be a blessing to those people. And that's hard to do. You know, I've been in work environments. I know some of you are in the same kind of work environments where just because you're a Jesus follower, you've got a big target on you. And maybe you've got a, a boss who's constantly uh, riding on you because he or she doesn't like the fact that you're a Jesus follower. They'll pile on extra work. Or maybe you've got, you know, coworkers who are constantly trying to bait you into kind of fruitless debates about obscure religious stuff just to make you look bad and that kind of thing. When you face these kind of situations... It's hard sometimes to know what to do. But if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, if we're going to live out God's love in the world, then we've got to make some active choices. And the first active choice is just to be a blessing. Be a blessing even when people are against you. So if you've got a challenge in your workplace, be a blessing in that place. Go out of your way to do things for other people. If you've got a, a family member who's constantly challenging you because of your faith, be a blessing to that person. That's how you live out the kind of love that Jesus has for you. Uh, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, he prayed uh, for the people who were executing him. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even at that moment, he prayed a blessing on these people. And the way he's able to do that, this is key, is because he saw those people the way that God sees those people. He didn't see them as monsters out just to torment him, but he saw them as, as God sees them, as people who are just misguided and confused and acting out of ignorance. And, and when we can start to see people the way that God sees them, 
then that's how we're able to turn around and be a blessing even to people who have evil intentions towards us, people who don't have our best interests in mind. So if we're going to reflect the kind of love that God has for the world, that same kind of sincere love that God has for us, then we've got to make active choices. That first choice is to be a blessing. Next verse gives us another choice. The, uh, verse 15, Paul says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. The big idea here is just to show compassion. Show compassion to other people. Again, this is an active choice. You can have compassion, but the active choice is to show that compassion to other people. God has compassion on us. He actively demonstrated that, and we should reflect that same kind of compassionate love to others. And just like we bless all people, not just people who are nice to us, uh, we want to rejoice with everybody who rejoices. We want to mourn with anybody who mourns. And, and even if a person is rejoicing over the wrong things, we can still show that person compassion. We don't have to agree with a person to show compassion to them. Even if a person is mourning because they've uh, made a mess of their life through a bunch of their wrong decisions, we can still have compassion on that person and mourn with them. It's okay. It's Christ-like to be able to show compassion to people, even people we don't agree with. So, you know, maybe you're in a consideration for a great raise or a promotion at work and you work really hard to try and lock that down and, it, and somebody else gets it, you know. And you're thinking, man, that would have been so great for my family, flexibility and you know, financial freedom, all these kinds of things. But this other person gets it. Well, you can still show compassion to them. If it was so great for your family, it's going to be just as great for that person's family. You could show compassion and, and celebrate, rejoice with that person, even though you lost out on the thing. You know, Be a blessing and show compassion, even when it's hard to do. Uh, I'll tell you a story. Many years ago, my wife and I, we uh, uh, were driving back to our college town. We met in college, and we were going back to visit. We just had a baby, our first baby. We were going to go meet up with some friends and show off the baby, that kind of thing. So we're driving into town, and... Uh, uh, we're flipping around on the radio, you know, trying to find something in, kind of in between towns. And, and we, we catch this little, uh, you know, morning show, and people are calling in to complain about this homeless person that's standing on the street, you know, begging for money. And they mentioned the, the intersection where it was. We're like, oh, yeah, we know exactly where that is. And they're, they're talking about this, this woman, and uh, a bunch of people calling in to complain about her because she's pregnant. I mean, she was a very, very pregnant person. Standing out, and this is Texas in the summer, so even though it's only like 10.30 in the morning, it's already like well over 100 degrees. People are complaining that she shouldn't be out in the sun, and she's going to hurt the baby, she's going to get dehydrated, she shouldn't be on her feet all day, all this kind of thing. Just as somebody called in to complain, she'd misspelled the word pregnant on her sign. I mean, all kinds of just kind of uh, heated calls coming into this radio station. And so we're driving into town, and we're hearing this, and and we really had a lot of compassion for this person. We wanted to show her. We wanted to show some, some love, some of God's love to this person. And so, so we drove to the intersection, and we saw her. Sure enough, there she was, misspelled sign, the whole thing. And uh, we said, hey, if you walk over here, we'll, we'll buy you a sandwich. We'll buy you some lunch, you know. So we, we did, and, and we sat down in this little sandwich shop, and, and she's scarfing down this sandwich. And, and almost right away, it's really clear that this woman was mentally ill. She had some real challenges, and as she kind of shared some details, and she was talking that she had a lot more problems besides just, just misspelling the word pregnant on her sign. I mean, she had some, some issues that really we, we, we weren't going to be able to address, we weren't equipped to address, but, but we tried to just show her some compassion, just to buy her lunch and, and show her some love, and, and you know, we were feeling pretty good about ourselves, really. 
because all these other people called into the radio, and they're all like, ah, you know, and we were thought, well, we'll show her some compassion. And then, and then she asked a question. I, I'll never forget. Uh, she asked a question. She looked right at Anne and right at our little baby. She said, can I hold your baby? So this, this filthy, mentally ill, homeless person wanted to take the most precious thing that we had. And suddenly it was like, okay, are we going to be hypocrites faking our way through compassion or are we going to really genuinely offer some love and compassion to this person? And so we gave her the baby. And seeing the look on her face as she was smiling with our baby and no doubt thinking about her own soon-to-be-born child, such a beautiful moment of, of love. And, and it wouldn't happen if we hadn't really trusted God and showed some compassion. You know, We thought we were, but we were really just faking it up until that moment. And, and living out God's love in active ways, it's not always easy, but it's always right. It's always right, because at the end of the day, we know that true joy, true contentment, true comfort can only come from the one true God. That we, we make active choices to be a blessing, we make choices to show compassion, not because of who we are, but because we want to point people to God and the great love that he has for the whole world, the greatest love that the world has ever known. Verse 16, Paul gives us one more way we can actively show God's love to others. He says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. The big idea here is just to put others first. Put others first. That's a very countercultural idea, you know. That's an active way to show God's love. Everything in our culture says, me, me, me. But, uh, but... God's love says put others first. That's the example of Jesus. That's the kind of love we want to show to other people. Uh, around our house, uh, some of you know, we've got a new child, a new little two-year-old boy we adopted. His name is Evan, and he's doing great. He's really having a great time. Our other little kids are having a harder time adjusting. They're like, who's this kid, and when's he going to go home, you know? But, uh, so Evan, he's cute, and he does cute things, and he does nice things, and we're praising him, and we're talking to him. And then our other son, our five-year-old son, he says, me, 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 me. He wants in on the attention and the action, and that's how the world works. You know, everybody says, me, me, me. They all want to be uh, focused on ourselves. But, but showing God's love means we put others first. If we're compassionate, if we're viewing people the way that God sees them, then we have to view ourselves the way that God sees us, too. We have to keep ourselves in proper perspective. It's not all about me, me, me. And we really have to guard ourselves versus, with, a, with a, an us versus them mentality where we're you know, somehow superior to all these other people, but God loves everybody, right? And if we want others to experience the love of Jesus for themselves, then we've got to have the proper perspective. We've got to be able to put others first, uh, the book of Philippians tells us that Jesus didn't consider his status, his, his equality with God, something to be grasped, something to be hoarded like a treasure, but instead he put others first. He let that go to put others first. He made an active choice to show God's love, putting others first. And if we want to love people with that same example, with God's love, then we've got to be willing to put others first, set aside our own rights you know, when I do uh, marriage counseling, one of the things I always tell couples is, hey, any given situation, you can basically communicate one of two things. You can use your, your actions and your words and your attitude to communicate, I choose me 
Uh, or you can use those actions and attitudes to, choo- to say, I choose us. I choose what's best for our relationship. And our human nature is always, I choose me. We're looking out for ourselves, you know, doing the things we want to do, spending our time on ourselves, our resources on ourselves, guarding our own priorities and hobbies, all those sorts of things. But, but the right way to live, the example of Jesus is, I choose us. I choose to put others first and do what's best for us as a relationship. And, and uh, you know, this can be simple choices in a marriage, simple choices like uh, giving your spouse the remote for the evening, you know. Some people, that's a big sacrifice, you know. But, uh, but it can also be big things like uh, moving to a new town so you can change your job so your spouse can have this opportunity. You say, I choose us, not just I choose me. And it's the same kind of decisions in parenting. If we can put others first... Uh, while still maintaining, you know, a healthy, well-balanced life, put others first, then we could start to demonstrate to the world, demonstrate to our families the kind of love that God has for us. You know, all these examples, just different ways to set aside our own rights, different ways we can love people with the same kind of love that God has for us. If we put ourselves in the right perspective, not thinking too highly of ourselves, then we're not always out to just feed our own self-interest, me, me, me. We're free to, to, to love other people, to put them first and show them how much God loves them. So there's three ways that we can make active choices to show God's love. And Paul gives us some challenging ideas. Be a blessing. Put others first. Show compassion. And if we're not careful, we could just kind of stop right there and think, yes, that's how God loves me. I'm going to do it, you know. But uh, it gets a little pie in the sky. You know, one of the reasons that Paul takes this teaching, this teaching of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and applies it to real life is because he knows it's not easy. He knows that things aren't always cut and dry. Because even if you want to be a blessing to someone, that doesn't mean that they're going to respond well. In fact, the opposite is usually true. You know, if you, uh, people are cynical. Uh, people have been burned one too many times. And if you, uh, you know, try to show love in this kind of radical way, they're going to be guarded. Hey, what are you, what's up your sleeve? What are you hiding there? You know, I mean, just imagine, imagine if you go to this coworker and you say, hey, you know that promotion, the one that we were both up for, but you got? Great. Congratulations. I'm celebrating with you. You know, they're going to think, what's wrong with you? What are you trying to hide? What do you know that I don't know? People have been burned one too many times. So that's why Paul goes on in this passage to help us really put these into real-world context, help us know not only how to actively show love in these three ways, but he tells us how to respond when people are resistant, right? How do we respond when people resist these efforts of ours to show them God's love? So let's read the next few verses, uh, starting at verse 17. Uh, Verse 17, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this section tells us how to respond to people who resist, people who are cynical, uh, burned out by one too many bad relationship experiences, people who don't trust you or or don't expect to be loved. And and the big idea of this section is don't seek revenge, don't seek retaliation, but go out of your way to do what's good and trust God. 
Paul says, if it's possible, you live at peace with everyone. Well, guess what? If you're out there trying to live at peace with everyone and the other person is jaded and guarded, you're going to have to move. You're going to have to be the one to move towards peace. And the other person, they're not going to move first. You're going to have to give and give and sacrifice and you're going to feel like, man, I'm getting nowhere with this. But if you live like that, that's how you're doing it right. That's how you do it because that's the kind of example that Jesus sets for us, giving and giving and giving and trusting God with the results. That's the kind of love God wants us to show, even to people who are resistant. And just as this passage tells us, God's in charge of the justice. We're free not to have to worry about revenge or getting uh, even or getting our share, any of those kinds of things. We focus on making peace, and we trust God with the outcome. So even in those relationships that are so taxing, we could do our part try to make peace, and we could trust God with the end results. Now, this last uh, verse, this verse 20, gets a lot of attention because at first it sounds like a brilliant passive-aggressive plan, right? It sounds like, hey, if you got this nasty person in your life, then you just keep heaping uh, good things on them, and you're going to make them feel so bad that they're just going to crumble, and you'll be right there to watch it happen, and won't that be great? Well, not quite, uh, You remember just a couple of verses back, Paul says we've got to show compassion to everybody. And it's still true here, okay? The idea is that we should go out of our way to show love, showing tangible love, like the examples here of drinking and and giving them something to eat. And and in in that love, we trust God. We trust God with the end result. We don't do acts of love hoping that you'll make a person miserable. That's not compassion. That's not how God operates. You know, we don't want to guilt someone into responding to us or responding to God. We just show love and keep showing love, and we trust God with the results. We keep piling it on, not to make them feel bad, but we keep piling it on because that's what God did for us. He kept loving us and kept loving us even when we're resistant. Now, as we kind of wrap things up a little bit here, I want to address a, a, a tension that exists, a, a sort of a tension that's right under the surface of these ideas. And, and the tension I'm talking about is simply that these are hard things to do. They're really hard things to do. Or I should say they're hard things to do sincerely. You know, like a comedic actor in a dramatic role, uh, we're going to feel like a fake. We're going to feel like a hypocrite trying to live like this uh, even if we're highly motivated to share God's love with people, even if we're able to, to work really hard and rise above our base nature and try to love people this way, try to see people the way that God sees them, these things are hard to do. And in fact, they're pretty much impossible. They're like uh, giving your baby to a crazy homeless person or rejoicing when somebody gets the promotion that you really worked your tail off to accomplish. They're hard to do. Or like being the first person in a really difficult relationship to move towards peace. These things do not come naturally. They're almost impossible. And there's something that has to happen before we can really live out this kind of love. And, and Paul starts this chapter with an exhortation that really helps us frame out what has to happen first. Look with me at chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, live out this love that, uh, that God has for you in your relationships with each other. He says, This is your true and proper worship, or true and proper service. 
Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that key idea is being transformed. Transformation has to happen before we can live in a way that reflects God's love. We have to have been changed. The word here literally is, is, is metamorphosis. We have to be transformed. That can only come from having a relationship with God through Christ. If you've put your faith in Christ, you've been transformed and you're being transformed. God's Holy Spirit is living in you, transforming you continually. And that has to happen first before you can really reflect God's love in a sincere way. Because you've been transformed, you're able to live out God's love because it's not you. It's God working through you. Without that transformation, you're just a a mediocre actor trying to fake your way through life. But if you've been transformed, this verse, verse 1 says, it's your reasonable act of service to live out love. The word literally is, is, is logical. It's the logical next step in what you should do to live out love. You've been transformed by having a relationship with God, by accepting that great love that God has, and it's the logical next step that you would go and, and, and share that love with other people, with everybody that God loves. If you've been transformed, you're going to nail the part every time because God is the one at work in you. So I want us to embrace these, these active ways to show God's love, being a blessing, showing compassion to everyone, uh, putting others first. And I want us to commit to go out of our way to live at peace, even with people who are really, really hard to love. And we're able to do this. We're able to uh, show this act of love. We're able to respond to difficult people because we've been transformed. We used to be a difficult person. But God is metamorphosizing us. God is transforming us. And now we can share that same kind of love with others through Christ. So I want us to bow our heads. And we're going to pray in just a moment. As we pray, before we do that, just just take a moment to sit quietly. Uh, Many of us, you know, we're already Jesus followers. We've been transformed. Our next logical step is to show God's love to other people. And I want you to think about just a specific relationship that you have. You know, you can't tackle every relationship you have right now. Just think about one person. Maybe one person has already popped to your mind. Maybe you've got to think about it for a minute. Just think about one person who is maybe a little hard to love or one person that you would love to be able to share God's love with. And think about just one thing that you could do for that person. You don't have to tackle the whole list. Just one thing for one person. And ask God just to empower you to be able to live out his love for that one person in a tangible way. I'm going to give you some time to think about that. Uh, But there's some of us here, we're not Jesus followers. We're kicking the tires, that kind of thing. And maybe maybe this is the first time you've heard of this idea of being transformed, this idea of of, uh, what Jesus has done. And if, if that's you... I want you to just spend a moment, I just want you to picture not that difficult person, I want you to picture Jesus standing there holding out the love that he has for you, holding it out as a gift. And uh, I want you to just reconcile in your mind what it really means to, to be a Jesus follower, to, to take that gift, that, take that love, the greatest love the world's ever known, to take it and, and let it become a part of your life, let it be something that you can then share with other people. And and maybe this is your moment to become a Jesus follower. All you got to do is talk to God. Just tell him, yes, I want to turn away from my own life of, of me first, of trying to be self-sufficient, and I want to embrace the gift that you have for me, the gift of eternal life, the gift of love that is greater than anything else in the world. And tell him that's what you want. 
So use this time just to have a sincere and honest conversation with God. Ask him to apply his love or ask him to help you uh, love this difficult person. I'm going to give you just a moment to do that and then we'll pray together. God, the first thing we want to say is just thank you. Thank you that you went out of your way to love us and to make it clear how much you love us. You, you gave us the greatest gift of all in sending your son, Jesus. And we are recipients of that love, and we want to be vessels of that. We want to be people who are a blessing to other people. We want to be people who are, uh, because we've been transformed, are showing compassion and putting others first trying to live at peace with the world. We want to be people who are uh, showing your love to the world, not because it comes naturally to us, but because we're putting our trust in you and we're growing in our relationship with you. I pray that you would empower each and every one of us as we go out into the week finding difficult people in our path. Lord, we know you've put those people in our lives because you want to love them. You want to show them how much you love them and pray that you would just use us as a way to encourage those people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.